Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. But I'm a profit advisor. The customer will say, what does that mean? I, I don't recognize that. And if we can get our customers saying, what does that mean? That simply means they can't put us in that generic box of what they already understand and have commoditized. But customers pay a premium for that little percentage. So when you're different, it doesn't mean you and your service offering is radically different. Just a little piece of you is perhaps different. And you can then leverage that by using a different label. That's one simple way of being different from the get-go. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Many CPAs are frustrated because they feel invisible in a crowded marketplace. They know they are better than their competitors, but when they focus on that fact, they get little in return. That's because to customers, better is not actually better. Different is better. And those who market differently win. In his new marketing book, Mike Michalowicz offers a proven no BS method to position your business, your service, and your brand to get noticed, attract the best prospects, and convert those opportunities into sales. Here to talk with us today about how to get different is my guest, Mike Michalowicz. Mike, welcome back to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. It's a joy to be back. I did a build up there. <laughs> it's a joy to be back, Geraldine. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm looking forward to this conversation because this is salient for our audience. So let's start with a slow pitch here. You're on book number seven. Many listeners will know you as the author of Profit First. Tell us a little bit about why you've written a marketing book called Get Different. One of the blessings I have uh, as being an author is the access to a large entrepreneurial community, you know, th these readers of mine, and um, they're kind enough to allow me to survey them and ask them. This is probably about five, six years ago. What I do is after I write a book, I'll ask, well, what do you need next? So about five or six years ago, I was finishing um, – clockwork, I think, at that point. And I simply said, what do you need next? And it actually inspired a book I wrote called Fix This Next. It also inspired this, that so many business owners are at the whim of their clients to be the referral source for opportunity. And I've actually confirmed this at conferences. I'll go to a conference and say, you know, what's your source of leads? And I would say, almost everyone relies on client referrals. You know, client loves me so much, they refer me elsewhere. And the other one is uh, some form of word of mouth, like, you know, my name ping-ponged around. Those scenarios are wonderful because that means your reputation precedes you, but it also means you're at the whim of your customer marketing you to get business. So it's a very precarious position. And so that's why many businesses are in these kind of peaks and valleys. All of a sudden, two or three leads come in, things feel great this week, and then there's this dearth for like a month or two and panic ensues. 
And so it was very clear from the reader feedback and these informal surveys that we need some way to throttle our lead flow, that we can turn the spigot up if we want or tune it back down if we have to, but to have control, not to be at the whim of, uh, of our customers. Sometimes people recognize symptoms in their business, but they don't necessarily understand or appreciate the underlying disease. So how can people recognize if they have symptoms of marketing that is ineffective? Yeah, I think one of the symptoms you'll see is, uh, first of all, inconsistent lead flow, which we already alluded to, that if, if it's feast or famine, that's usually an indicator that you don't have uh, a form of marketing out there that's effective, nor is it persistent. The other one's the, the quality of the leads, though. You know, you bring someone in and they can become more of a distraction than a beneficial customer. And we've all had that, the customer that's never satisfied, always complaining, you got to redo the work. They actually cost us money to serve them. Those are the two most common. So unpredictable flow and quality of customers. Both those things can be easily addressed with proper marketing. So why is it that so many people are reluctant to be different? Because <laughs> it's scary. It's just scary. You know, we're, I think we're trained from kindergarten on to be the same. And, and I'm not picking on the, the traditional, you know, coloring the painted line or paint within the lines type thing. I'm talking about peer pressure. The true story, my first day of kindergarten, my mother's German. I went to school in the U.S., in New Jersey, nonetheless. My mother's like, oh, you have to wear lederhosen to school. Leather shorts, effectively. The most embarrassing thing on the planet. And uh, she gave me a cornucopia because that's German tradition. So there I am in lederhosen <laughs> and a cornucopia in my hand, ready to walk to school. And the other kids are walking by and like, okay, here's the first kid we're going to beat up. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it. Like I wanted to beat myself up. Very quickly, we realized we need to acclimate to the community around us. We need to be the same. If you don't fit in, you're noticed. And if you're noticed, you're going to be punished for that. So being the exception is not exceptional in the way we're raised. Uh, it's, it's risk. It's taking a risk. So it's funny. You look at any uh, high school um, yearbook uh, from any year, any decade, and all the boys and all the girls look the same. The hairstyles are the same. The outfits are the same. The way we present is the same. And it all is about learned compliance. Well, as we enter our professional years, we maintain this. And, and the thing is, you know, this is how a CPA behaves. This is how a CPA looks. You know, we, we have this standard uh, attire and, and presentation. And we feel that we need to perpetuate that. But, but there's also a problem with it become indistinguishable. You know, we all look the same. And for the customer, that means we've commoditized ourselves. They, they say, you know, CPAs are CPAs. And I can prove it. Pick out a CPA in the room. They all look the same. They got that little visor with the plastic thing on it. You know, there's this perception. When, when someone's willing to differentiate themselves, the first thing that's going to happen is it assures attention. You will get noticed. Now, the benefit is when you get noticed, you have a captive audience. You have... I'd argue milliseconds in many cases, but you are given time to now show why you're attractive and then compel them to do business with you, perhaps even at a premium. But we have to unwind years, decades of compliance training to put our true, authentic, different self out there. So you have a membership of more than 600 accountants, bookkeepers, and CPAs. So how are you seeing this play out for them? What are you seeing when you encourage them to get different, and what's the impact? Yeah, so I think when people hear me talk about get different, 
we all default to not we all, many default to oh outrageous i gotta wear a chicken suit or something like that you know? <laughs> and the answer is hell no that is not what i'm suggesting different means not common unexpected what we do with our members is we say from day one don't call yourself an accountant anymore because an accountant that label alone is commoditized i'll give you an example if i said i'm a lawyer i don't have to say much more Chances are a image popped in your mind, someone in a suit, briefcase, courtroom steps, about to sue somebody. You know, we very quickly script out what that means. And that's necessary for efficient human communication. If I say circus, I don't have to go through and say, well, there's a big top, there's elephants, clowns, acrobats, trapeze artists. You know that because the pictures pop up. Well, if we use a generic label, we're seen as generic. So use an exceptional or different label. Our members, we say, start off by saying you're a profit advisor. Because what happens when a customer approaches your prospect and says, hey, I'm interested in, in what you do. What exactly do you do? Say, well, I'm a professional profit advisor or a profit first professional, but I'm a profit advisor. The customer will say, what does that mean? I, I don't recognize that. And if we can get our customers saying, what does that mean? That simply means they can't put us in that generic box of what they already understand and have commoditized. And then we can just point out our differentiation. The funny thing, and it's truthful, is that our Prop First professionals, when they use the Prop First system, it maybe modifies their offering by 5 or 10%. But the essence of bookkeeping and accounting doesn't change. It's just a little add-on. But customers pay a premium for that little percentage. So when you're different, it doesn't mean you and your service offering is radically different. Just a little piece of you is perhaps different. And you can then leverage that by using a different label. That's one simple way of being different from the get-go. I like it. One of my clients in a sort of similar way is a cash flow coach. So she doesn't use the term accountant, doesn't call her, she's not a CPA, and it opens the door to a conversation around, hmm, what is that? Yes. Can I have some of that, please? So I was, uh, just to give you context around that, as I was researching out for Get Different, um, I was studying how our mind operates, the human mind. And all of humanity has this thing called the reticular formation. It is a, a neural net at the top of our spine, the base of our brain. And its function is to be a figurative uh, net, meaning any information gets caught in it and is only released if it's unexpected, different, if it's a threat or an opportunity. But 99% of the inputs coming in, actually more than that, are ignored. Like right now, we could look around our desk and there's tons of stimulus there, but you know we're in a conversation we're not looking at that. That's because our reticular formations are preventing it from getting through. Well, it prevents all the marketing from getting through too, unless you can get the customer saying, what is that? You know, It opens the conversation. What means is you've figuratively opened up the reticular formation. It says, hey, I never heard of cash flow experts. What is that? It gets pushed forward to what's called the prefrontal cortex, which is where uh, cognitive thought happens and consideration. And our mind says, what is this? And then tries to categorize it in a new way, new understanding. So if you can break, our job is to break through the reticular formation. And the way to do that is by doing something that's unexpected and different. So I've heard of the reticular activating system, and I think of it as the reason for why, you know, you would never notice maroon Toyota Priuses before until suddenly you're in the hunt for one and now they're everywhere. Right. So, or it's maybe why you hear your name above the din in a crowded room because your brain yes, knows to filter that you're in. good. So talk a little bit about how that weaves into this conversation. 
Yeah, so the reticular activating system is a part of the reticular formation. There's multiple elements. It has three functions collectively. Function one, and this is the priority, is threats always get prioritized. So if I was talking with you and all of a sudden I pull a knife out of my pocket and say, hey, we got to talk a little more seriously. I guarantee- <laughs> I don't like your I price. Your, yeah, yeah you're, I don't like your price. I have your undivided attention. And that's the reticular formation saying that we are in the flight uh, or fight mode now, and we have to protect and preserve ourselves. That gets all the attention. And uh, in a marketing form, threats um, are very effective in getting attention, very horrible in recruiting prospects because they are fighting and defending. So it's the worst thing to do is say, if you don't buy from me now, I'll kill you. Um, unless you're in the mob, maybe it works. The next uh, thing that gets put through is opportunity. And that's what you're talking about. Our name, uh, the Prius, when there's something of interest to us, our mind sees it as an opportunity. So we can have the same conversation. This time, instead of pulling out a knife, I pull out a stack of $100 bills and say, we got to have a serious conversation. I also have your attention now. Reticular formation opens up. Opportunities presented itself. There's risk here, though, because you may actually take the money and not buy from me. So now I'm taking substantial risk of losing money. So that's the reticular activating system that there's known opportunities, things of importance that get pushed through. You're buying that car. It's important to you in that moment. We notice it. The third thing that gets through, though, is the unexpected. And that's part of, not of the activation system, but just the general formation, is that if you and I uh, were talking outside and all of a sudden something squiggles in the grass below us, we will automatically jump back and pay attention to it because that squiggling could be a snake coming to attack us or someone could turn on the water hose and it could just be squiggling around and it's inconsequential. But it opens up because it's an unknown quantity. So we have to evaluate it to determine if it's an opportunity or threat. That's why different marketing always works. It's 100% guaranteed. If I did walk in uh, to our meeting, uh, sales meeting in a chicken costume, I guarantee I have your undivided attention but what your mind is now doing at the amygdala and prefrontal cortex level is it's evaluating, is this chicken guy a threat, some weirdo, or is it an opportunity? Oh, he's here to entertain me. So I guarantee I have your attention, but I move on to this next phase, and I talk about in the book. Phase one is to differentiate, but phase two of this model is to attract. I must do something that is compelling to you, of service to you, that speaks to you. So chicken costume may pass test one, it probably will fail test two. Okay, great. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's talk about being compelling so that you can attract. Yeah. A lot of accountants and CPAs, so they tell me, are you know plenty fine to just hang out in the background and don't want to be in the limelight. Thank you very much. They say that they're introverts, which I simply take as, you know, not deriving energy from being around a bunch of people. So how can folks who don't want to be in the limelight and don't want to put themselves out there move past that sort of concern? Because from a business standpoint, it makes sense. Got to put yourself out there to a degree. How do you put yourself in a position to be compelling and attract when you would just as soon be out of the limelight? Totally. And I get it. I think it's a reframing. So First of all, to realize you don't have to put you in the limelight. You can put your business in the limelight, and you are separate entities. So you can be the CPA that goes to uh, networking meetings wearing a yellow business suit at all times. That would work and get noticed. But that may also draw attention to you personally where you want attention drawn to your business. The, the identity shift is this. We have to ask ourselves a question, and I'll ask it rhetorically, but you really got to consider this. Are you better than the alternatives? And uh, chances are, I bet you if you were listening to the show, they are. 
your customer can or prospects can buy from you, but they can buy from the other businesses that are competing with you. And you probably are better, at least in some capacities. Maybe you offer better service. You're more caring. Maybe you're more detail oriented. Maybe you're you're more affordable. But you know, there's reasons and ways you're better. And Honestly, if you're listening to this program or shows like this, you're indicating you're a learner, which usually is higher performing individuals. So chances are you actually just have raw, better service. If you are better than the competition and your clients aren't discovering your business, they are buying inferior offerings, which is, it's their problem, but it's your fault. You, we, that's how you have to frame it. You have a responsibility to market. If you really care about customers, you'll tell them you exist. And if you're not telling them, you're actually hurting your customers intentionally. So that's a whole new way to reframe this, saying marketing isn't something that you have to overcome. It's something that's mandated, and your good customers are starving for it and shame for you for not providing that service. The only thing customers know about you until they experience your service directly is your marketing. And if you've no marketing, they've experienced nothing. So you have to do good marketing. And the nice thing is it doesn't have to be you, the person. It can be through your web material. Do something that's unique and different. In fact, as an author, my contemporaries are other authors. Uh, if you get a chance to visit my website, you'll notice it is radically different than almost every other author's website you've been to. And that's by intent and design. You're not meeting with me, um, but you're experiencing something that's different, and I know that's going to cause you to pay attention. And it's designed in a way that it is attractive to the right prospect. That's the other element. We're not trying to attract everybody. This isn't to be generic so no one's offended. It's to be so specific that the right people uh, are excited and energized by it, and the wrong people maybe are offended. But we have to cater to that community. So you can do it through your website. You can do it through uh, your advertising, if you're doing traditional advertising, you can set up a referral program for customers that's just radically different that inspires them to do it. So it doesn't have to be focused on you, the person. It can be focused on the business, but there has to be a different feel. It has to be unique. Great. I love it. Make yourself unignorable, as you say. So let's talk about let's talk about the compelling piece. What I see some or many accountants and CPAs doing particularly on their websites, is listing out all the services that they offer from AP to AR, payroll, <laughs> sales tax, write-up, month-end, close, Schedule Cs, 1099s. There's a decent chance that some of your prospects would rather read a phone book than read <laughs> a list of accounting deliverables. Hashtag truth. So yeah. how do you... <laughs> and a lot of us do this, right? We're so focused on what we deliver and the service that we offer that we... We're steeped in it, and it's harder to. It's we can't see the label when we're inside the jar. It's hard to see the forest. We just we're all focused on the trees. How do we make accounting services compelling? Yeah, with a specific singular ask. What we need to do in our marketing is to matriculate or move that relationship down from the initial awareness to the ultimate transaction, and we do it through a delicate balance of two things. First, we must serve the customer by asking something that is safe and reasonable. So for example, say you're looking to buy a car, I'm a car salesperson, and uh, I have that funny kind of stick blowing thing in my parking lot, and that draws your attention. That's something that perhaps is different. I do want to point out though, if you know what I'm talking about, that's one indicator it is not different. It's become what's called habituated. There's so many of those out there. It's no longer unique. It's like, oh, it's another. So that thing is stale. I have to do something fresh. But say that encourages you to come in. 
I could say to you, hey, as the next step, give me $100,000 right now and then tell me about yourself and we'll see if we find a car for you and we'll use this money. We'll find the perfect car. Well, that has moved you toward the transaction I want, but the likelihood of you doing it is nil because it's not safe, it's not reasonable. Perhaps the next step is simply this. Um, may I uh, be in contact with you? Give me your email and your phone number and your desire list. We can walk the lot now, um, and I'll go through our inventory this evening and come back to you with what I think are the 10 best-fitting hits for what you're looking for. And that approach is probably much more safe and reasonable for the customer. You now have their permission to be in contact with them. Then after that, I can say, hey, I found these 10 cars. Of these 10, where are the top three? I'll get this ready for test drives, and I'll bring them right to your house. I'm also making it very accessible. That's another technique and compelling. So part of it is making sure it's safe and reasonable for the customer. The other part is to continue to move closer and closer to the final transaction. That's my benefit. What we can do as CPAs is, for example, on our website, is instead of giving the, the lineage of all these things that we can do, is giving a single directive saying, click on this link for us to do a free analysis for you, or uh, click on this link so we can advise you on the phone immediately on the three things you should be considering right now. Something very specific and singular, small enough that um, the customer feels safe doing that transaction, the currency maybe just getting their email or their phone number, big enough that it moves them closer to the ultimate transaction, which may be engaging you for a mix of services. So ask for one thing. Don't list everything and saying you pick potluck, Chinese menu. No, say this is the offer and it's a really low risk offer. Give me your email and you'll get some return and you, you have permission now to be in contact with you for the next step. I love it. Okay, so two more quick questions before we wrap up here. What do you say to people who think that marketing is all just hocus pocus? Well, they're probably struggling in business, honestly. Um, the, the best businesses market consistently. And I, and I just got to drive home this point. It's not outrageous marketing. It's not crazy marketing. It's not bizarre. But they know that marketing is the essence of customer lead flow, and they take it extremely seriously. And what are you seeing in terms of ROI when business owners, CPAs, accountants, put money on effective marketing? Oh, well, the ROI can be significant. Here's what I see. I see it kind of go down divergent paths. One path is they put significant money down on marketing without consideration, is it the right marketing? And that money's out the window. You know, everyone else is doing Facebook ads. I got to jump on board and that's a waste. The smart money goes on testing. I call them experiments. Let's put a little bit down to see if this new idea works. If it doesn't work, what needs to be resolved and then try it again and keep experimenting until we find it does work. And when it does work, that's when we put more money on it to see if we can scale it. And if we can scale it a little bit, they put a lot of money and scaled a lot. Those type of approaches where we go from testing to rollouts, I see a significant ROI on those investments. Sadly, that's not the most common approach though. Most people are, it's kind of pot shots and that's a mistake. I love it. Mike, where can people find out more about you and get your book? Uh, at MikeMotorbike.com. So my name is Mike Michalowicz. No one can spell it. So MikeMotorbike.com. Actually, maybe there's a little bit of different marketing right there. It's a it's a mnemonic technique, right? I'm using a rhyme. But if you go to MikeMotorbike.com, uh, all my books are there. You can get free chapter downloads. I have my own podcast called Mike Up In Your Business. And uh, I think you will also find the most different website you've ever experienced. Maybe there's some learning there too for your own marketing. And we'll include the link both to your website and to your books in the show notes for this episode. Mike, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming back on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. This has been a joy. Thanks, Geraldine. 
Are your website and your marketing messages like camouflage and your ideal buyers just can't see you? The next time you get a phone call from some complete rando asking if you do taxes, stop what you're doing and head over to shethinksbigcoaching.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to geraldinecarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.